Hi there, and welcome to Polyamory Uncensored, a podcast where we, your hosts, Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams, interview a poly person each episode, and we try to answer the five points of journalism. Who, what, when, where, and why, as it pertains to our poly lives. You're listening to episode 29, where we chat with David. Stay tuned as we delve into the good, the bad, the ugly, and the just plain complicated truths about our poly lives. All right. So, David, who are you? Uh, I am a 37-year-old cis bisexual man who's married with several other partners uh, and suffers from chronic depression, anxiety, and panic attacks. Fun. <laughs> I am a true party animal. <laughs> well, welcome. Thanks for agreeing to be interviewed. My pleasure. What drew you to polyamory? It just has always been so inherent in my nature. Um Katie and I are relatively good friends outside of here, and as we were discussing last night, I don't know if I've ever stopped flirting in my life with anyone. (laughs) And it came up in a recent episode of this podcast. I can't imagine why. It might have been someone involving my wife. Um, But that's neither here nor there. Um, But I have always been able to feel intense emotions for multiple people, and it definitely made my past monogamous relationships feel awkward and that I wasn't truly being myself. That makes sense. And what does polyamory mean to you? To me, polyamory is a full acceptance of the fact that one cannot get everything they need from another person. It doesn't mean it has to be in other partners. It can be family. It can be friends. But it can be other partners and lovers as well. Um, And also, to me, it is best used when partners have a strong sense of compersion, of course. Mm-hmm. Do we want to throw out any vocabulary lessons, or do we think everybody knows mm-hmm. compersion already? Well, we did have a full episode on it, but it was like episode seven, so it's been a long time. So do you want to uh, give a good definition of what compersion is? I don't know if it's a good definition, but I'll throw out <laughs> a definition. Um, compersion is, it's often described as the opposite of jealousy, although I think that's a little bit misleading. Mm-hmm. It's really the feeling of being excited for someone else's happiness and joy. Perfect. Yay. Yay. So what, if anything, do you find difficult about polyamory? Not much. <laughs> um, I'm lucky that uh, the person I am married to, we have uh, incredible open communication. We both are very deliberate in improving our communication skills with each other because we have different communication techniques. And that was the early part of our relationship was just working on the communication. Of course, you know, there's the whole new relationship energy, feeling all Twitter pated. Oh, my God, it's a new person and their business. But it was really communication more than anything. I really wish that listeners could have seen the hand gestures that went with her business. I am gesticulating wildly. (laughs) It was very evocative. So when did you know you were Polly? Probably not until um, I met my spouse, just because I wasn't that familiar with it. I knew about open relationships and swinging, but the full Polly was taught to me by uh, my spouse jay who was on a couple of episodes ago that's really interesting i didn't can you can you talk a little bit more about that i mean that's sort of an interesting conversation to have in a and they were probably when you met them correct yes and i just it just hadn't been anything that really came up in my life um i was still in the closet as a bisexual to most people at the time so i just had not fully explored myself um i am a person who's 
repressed much in my life, which is hard to believe with <laughs> who I am now. Um, but it's it just, is certainly not how you come across. No, I, I, I had been married previously, and it was not poly, but there was some occasional engaging in other ways, but then it was also a very lopsided thing with poor communication, which is part of how the entire relationship went. I think poor communication mm-hmm. is an excellent recipe for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's when we edit in the giant bomb sound, right? Okay, <laughs> okay cool. <laughs> I'll try. I don't think I'm there yet. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> so, yeah, it's just it was not anything I had really heard. But I knew the term, but I didn't know fully what it meant. And when I started learning about from my partner, that's when I started talking more to my sister, who is also Polly and learning more from her. And it's just not anything we'd really delved into. Luckily, she and I can talk about absolutely anything in the world as long as we end it with, but I'm celibate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's an interesting dynamic that we obviously have not done and probably potentially will never do again is have a brother and sister both on the podcast. It's true because mm-hmm. we do Your have a previous episode. Our, uh, mm-hmm. our episode about, was it about compersion? Oh gosh, no, that was no. Gretchen's. Um, what did Sandy, Sandy talked about time, nope, oversaturation. Mm. Sandy That's talked good. about yes. polysaturation. that name? Yes. Yeah. Okay, just checking. <laughs> <laughs> I know this is shocking to you listeners, but some people who are here do not go by their real names. Are closeted. <gasps> I'm apparently an old-timey sound effect person <laughs> for you today. That'll be fun. Yeah. All right. So, when did you yeah. Ooh, oh, I like this question for you. So when, if ever, did you feel different from other people? Birth. <laughs> that's not anything that's really ever occurred to me. I'm just, as you know, I have a very strong sense of self, which I didn't always. Um, but even when it was more hidden away, I knew I was just me. And even though I was sometimes embarrassed by who that is or couldn't fully admit it, being who I am was always solid to my core. I I knew who I was, even if I couldn't always express it. So mm-hmm. since always. Since always. Yeah. There's a lot of that. I there think. really is. And growing up, did you recognize that you were bisexual earlier or was that something that came later in life? Um, kind of always knew it. I think the first time I told someone, I told a friend when I was in seventh grade, I think. Oh, wow. Okay. That is um, really young. Yeah. Uh, but hadn't really come out to a lot of people. My former spouse, she knew and then would tell everyone, oh, he's just the world's straightest gay guy. Oh, interesting. Which is a fun way to hide yeah. away my actual yeah. identity. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Uh, and then with my spouse, Jay, um, was very open and when i was 35 over the course of two days i came out to 200 people (laughs) i went at a time or in a large group oh one at a time utilizing social media email phone calls i went crazy i was ignoring my job that day wow on a work day you managed oh yeah i'm impressed i was bored i worked in billing in a hospital (laughs) no thank you No, it just seemed like the time because I had been uh, becoming part of some online groups of people that identify as various forms of queer. And the fact that I am in a relationship with someone of a different gender than myself, uh, there is a certain amount of privilege with that, even though there's also erasure of my identity often with it. And I realized with all these wonderful queer friends who are being attacked, that if rocks were going to be thrown at them, I wanted them at me too. I'm a cisgendered white male. I have a lot of privilege, so I will take the rocks, always, if I can. Fair. All right. Social justice. (laughs) So where are you in your poly journey? That's an excellent question to which I do not have an excellent answer. Um, I don't really 
know how my journey even looks. And I, I have other partners with everything that I've been going through with my mental health issues. Like one person that I has a partner, I've had as a partner, we haven't seen each other in months and months, and I don't know what's happening there. And we've talked a little recently, but I've just kind of, my world has been in stasis as I've had since last October, some pretty severe mental health issues, which I'm sure we'll be going to in just a little bit. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> um, all right. So where, if anywhere, do you hope to go with your poly journey? Anywhere honest. Uh, just like I said, I very consciously attempting to live a life of just being my truest self and not caring who says anything about that. I know there's certainly people here who can relate, not that I'm gesturing to Lindsay or anything, <laughs> who is very out in herself, and which is admirable and something I always admired before we even knew each other, because I knew you as a performer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but that's just always what I'm trying to do, is just be as true to myself. And that's the journey, and that's the destination all at once. So why do you think you are Polly? To me, that's asking why a dog barks. It's inherent. I don't have a specific reason. It's just who I am. Um, it's not like, well, it's something I want to try. There's lots of people who say that kind of thing, and it's people that are in board relationships or what have you. But for me, it's just part of who I am. I am very capable of loving people. I am a demonstratively loving person with partners, but also with family, also with friends. I mean, my role model is Mr. Rogers, mm -hmm. and while... <laughs> He probably didn't have multiple partners or anything. He showed love. And that is something that's very important to me. And why did you agree to be interviewed? Because I wanted to live my truth, as always. And also the fact that I found out that there was a giant list of topics and mental health was one. I was like, ooh, <laughs> I can relate to that. Not going to keep it a secret from you. We have had you in mind for that topic for quite some time. You could have knocked me over with a feather. <laughs> She does not have a feather. I am safe. <laughs> so you think. <laughs> All right. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. The Toolshed is a mission-driven, education-based sex toy store located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. More than your typical adult store, the Toolshed provides quality, body-safe products that enhance the sexual lives and relationships of their customers, and they do it all in a comfortable, compassionate, and welcoming atmosphere. Not located near Milwaukee? That's okay. The Toolshed's online shop at www.toolshedtoys.com serves customers all over the world. The Toolshed strives to be the source for accurate, up-to-date information about sexual health and pleasure. Their store is staffed by sexual educators who are invested in providing sex-positive and inclusive support to their customers throughout their lifespan, no matter where they're from. The Toolshed stocks a large selection of products made from body-safe materials. They have sex toys for folks of all genders, orientations, and inclinations, including gear for strap-on play, vibrators to stimulate a variety of body parts, BDSM gear, kink supplies, and much more. The Toolshed is also proud to offer a large inventory of gender expression supplies like binders, soft packers, shaping underwear, and breast forms. Last but not least, the Toolshed stocks lots of great books on topics like ethical non-monogamy, how to negotiate consent, kinky play, sexual pleasure, sexual health, and so much more. They've got over 500 different titles in stock at their Milwaukee location and host a regular monthly book club too. Every day, the Toolshed staff answers questions about products, pleasure, health, and relationships, all 
without shame or stigma. The Toolshed also offers in-person and online private consultations for people who have in-depth questions about any of those things, as well as other subjects like communication and relationships, establishing healthy boundaries, fertility basics, alternative menstrual products, and other topics folks deal with every day as sexual beings. You can visit the Toolshed in person at 2427 North Murray Avenue in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, or you can check out our online store at www.toolshedtoys.com. From now through the end of 2019, you can use promo code POLY2019, P-O-L-Y-2019, at checkout for 10% off your next purchase. Thanks. All right, and we are back, uh, and we are going to talk about mental health today, like we mentioned before. So, mental health. Let's talk about yeah. mental health. Yeah. What do you What do you have to bring when it comes to mental health and polyamory? How do those things interact, and if they do at all? They do, just because they're both such an integral part of the of life. Um, I am someone who's suffered for quite some time from various mental health issues. Uh, depression, uh, anxiety attacks, and panic attacks are the primary ones. And for anyone listening, because I didn't until a few years ago know the difference between an anxiety attack and a panic attack, because they are very, very similar. Yeah, It's fight or flight reflex, being flooded with adrenaline, wanting to not be where you are, twitching. The difference is when you are having a panic attack, you believe you will die. Okay. The 11 oh. straight days I had that was not pleasant. That sounds awful. Um, now, growing up, my mother has some pretty severe mental health issues. She is a uh, paranoid schizophrenic. She has abused medication. And then she has a lot of physical health uh, issues on top of that. And because of that, I was unable to face my own issues for many, many years. I'd occasionally gone to therapy, like when my first marriage was falling apart. But right, but that's because that's kind of, oh, my marriage is falling apart. I should go to therapy. Exactly. Like That's sort of a part of our cultural script. Um, and then like was seeing a therapist for a little bit just because like, I'm feeling kind of down. Might as well. And then in October of last year, I had a full breakdown. Um, I ended up being in a partial hospitalization program for about three weeks. Um which is similar to an inpatient program. The big difference is you don't stay overnight, and that's because I had no desire for self-harm, thankfully. Very lucky mm -hmm. in that. Um, and then after that, there was something called intensive outpatient, which is three hours a day, three days a week. So this all came on. I got back to work. Everything was fine-ish. The medication seemed to be working. Then it suddenly wasn't. And in April, I went to the partial hospitalization program a second time. Um, that was on April 12th of this year. I have not worked since. I've been on short-term disability ever since because we're still trying to find the right combination of medications uh, to keep me under control. Things are slowly going up. I have a new doctor, which is incredibly helpful. We'll talk about my old idiot doctor in a little bit. But knowing your mental health issues is going to automatically affect anyone else in your life, how you address them or how you fail to address them. Um, especially because two of my partners also suffer from mental health issues. Um, uh, one of them has very bad depression issues, and one has very bad anxiety issues. And I have them both. Mm. So you can relate. Mm. Yeah. Um, and in some ways, it makes it nice to be able to relate to it. But having hidden it for so many years, I also decided in October that it was time for me to stop hiding it entirely. And since social media is a big thing, I completely opened up about what I was going through on social media, Facebook, etc. And I had an amazing outpouring from other people, from partners, from friends, from associates. And it was people saying, 
thank you for actually saying this out loud. There's people calling me brave, which I didn't understand. I don't view it as brave at all. I view it as a necessity. It's good for my own mental health. I've heard it described as saying the thing that you need to hear. I stole from Lin-Manuel Miranda, but I figure mm-hmm. steal from the best. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think when people call it brave, they're thinking about what it would take for them to mm-hmm. put themselves mm-hmm. in your shoes. And mm-hmm. they can't maybe and how imagine. Afraid they are. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and it was incredibly scary the first time. Well, then it was brave. Uh, I still don't just, it just, I personally don't feel that I mean, I understand that, that you had to do it. Mm-hmm. I've totally been in that mm-hmm. space of like mm-hmm. doing a thing that you didn't necessarily really want to do, but mm-hmm. because you felt like, no, I, I really, I got to do this. Mm, absolutely. And I've talked about it a lot and eventually I turned it into a blog that I've been going, which is about mental health issues, bisexuality, and a few odds and ends. Like, I think I'm writing one about Mr. Rogers right now. Again, oh. surprise, surprise. Mm-hmm. These are my identifiers. Mental health, bisexual, who loves Mr. Rogers. <laughs> Good identifiers. I feel like that might be our title right there. <laughs> <laughs> Still not as good as getting my friend zone before you get in my end zone. That's Best s- title. Such a good one. That's a good title. But being consciously aware of my issues and what I need has changed how I relate to my partners because it makes me more conscious of when I need to be around people, when I need to be around groups, when I need to take time for myself. And it's made me have to work even more on the communication. Some of my partners I have great communication with. There's one where it's not as good at this point, just because we were kind of in two different places, though we're, we both like each other quite a bit, obviously. But it you really have to know who you are before you can properly engage in any type of relationship. And so that's been a positive step forward in my poly journey. Yay! So you mentioned before about having a doctor who you had to essentially fire. Mm-hmm. Um, God, I love is that. that. What, is that what you call when you like leave a doctor? Yeah. You kind yeah. of is, mm-hmm. right? Like and doctors can them. fire patients too. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it makes sense. Like, yeah. They are working for you. You are also um, a patient of theirs. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Both yeah. goes both ways. Is that because they were not poly friendly or were they just kind of a bad doctor or both? <laughs> uh, he was a twit. Okay. Uh, I was assigned to him when I was leaving the partial hospitalization program because you have to have a psychiatrist to keep up with your medication. Makes Therapist sense. Therapist is right. not enough. Makes Somebody perfect sense. Somebody needs to be responsible for the actual drug yep. stuff. And obviously mm-hmm. I will not say this person's name or where they work sure. or anything like that, but I was assigned to this person and they're like, oh, you're going to love him. He's great. No. And I go in and he's an awkward, straight, middle-aged white guy. I, I know awkward, straight, middle-aged white guys I get along great with. And the first session... Right. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Not that there's anything wrong with that. We are not here to judge the straights. There's, I have many straight friends. Don't even be. Um, but the first session was just kind of weird, but I was still out. And he was like, okay, so we're going to give you some medications to deal with side effects. Because, oh, the side effects. There's so many side effects. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've medic- always thought that was a strange way to phrase it, like side effects. Mm-hmm. The, anything that you don't mean to happen, that happens. But yes. I mean, like, they're, they're effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and extreme dry mouth, which means I'm not sleeping as well because I have to wake up to pee at 3 o'clock in the morning every single day like an old man. Um, severe night sweats. Ooh. And things that affect the poly journey. Loss of libido. Ooh, Hooray. No fun. Yeah. So that has definitely affected Polly in some ways. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's not that it's gone. It's just not what it was before. Right. And we deal with that. Um, he's fine. He was fine. But then my third appointment with him, he was just going through his notes. Incidentally, their medical records were not computerized. Everything was handwritten, which I didn't trust anyways because I've worked in medicine. And he was every single 
time I was there, he would say, so what's your caffeine intake? Because you know that can affect anxiety. And I'm like, okay, but my depression is making me not want to see anyone. So can't we talk? He's like, no, what's your, I drink caffeine. I don't drink an obscene amount of caffeine. I don't even drink coffee really. Um, and then third appointment is when he said, so you had said you're a bisexual. Is that still a thing? <clears throat> Lindsay was drinking. She did not spit cake. <laughs> I'm impressed. But I felt like it. Yeah. That's ridiculous. So yeah, that was a load of crap. Um, so when I went- What ba- did you say? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very polite change. answer. That was the inflection. <laughs> yes. Luckily, I wonder what he expected the answer to be. I don't know. My no, fa- I was a phase. My, my therapist year. is a fabulous queer woman, so. Nice. Um, oh, she's so good. And I've referred many people to her because- She's that good. And she's a Unitarian, which as am I, so it's nice to have that common absolutely pseudo hippiness. <laughs> <laughs> um so I went and saw him after the second time I did the partial hospitalization, where my primary medication at that time was Zoloft. It was on hundred milligrams a day. When I went back into partial hospitalization, they cranked it up to 150 milligrams a day. And the depression and anxiety got better after two weeks. So they moved me into IOP, intensive outpatient. Um couple days later it stopped being effective it was about a week of effectiveness oh, i went to see this doctor and, and that happens hmm. and he, i was like yeah it's they increased it but this medication maybe we can look in something else he was like okay i'm just gonna increase you to 200 milligrams a day i did it no effect and instead of going back to him um and i hadn't even thought oh yeah you can fire a doctor mm-hmm. uh my spouse came home from her therapist and said i was talking to my therapist about you which we do of course mm-hmm. it's right. important and she said, you don't like your psychiatrist. I was like, no. And she's like, okay, she has a woman she used to work with. Do you want her card? And I said, yes. <laughs> what a wonderful idea. And I called and covered by my insurance, though my insurance is not currently, and I have to call and pick a fight with them. Mm-hmm. If anyone needs to fight with an insurance company, I'm very good at it. <laughs> um, and I went to her, and she was marvelous. Like, she understood everything. She immediately was like, no, we're going to switch medications on you. Clearly, this isn't working. If increasing only works for a week, why would we increase it again? Um, and we switched me to another primary medication, um, Effexor, which is very common and popular one. And I also had a friend who had it and said it's made side effect for him as he wanted to have sex constantly. I was like, okay, oh, I, no. that's fine. <laughs> But then there are very rare side effects which took effect for me uh, in the form of auditory, visual, and tactile hallucinations. Oh, Jesus. Oh, yeah. that's a bad Yeah. I w- at home, I walked through a door d- to go down to our basement, and I felt and saw myself tripping, falling, missing the railing, tumbling to the bottom, and my leg snapping, poking <gasps> through the skin. And then I was still at the top. It didn't actually happen, but I felt everything. Weird. Oh my god, wow. that's awful! I, and there was only that was the worst one, obviously. And there was like seeing my sandals move across the floor on their own, you know, all that fun stuff. Huh. Because and it's not common. Uh, vivid dreaming is common on that, but this is not. In fact, my doctor had never had anyone that had had that particular side effect. So we are currently transitioning me off that and onto another one to see what happens. Um, and that's one of the difficult things is it's a crapshoot because everyone's brain chemistry works differently. So it's in process. Stupid brains. Yeah. Uh, The good news is I'm still on disability through my work, even though uh, FMLA protection is no longer there. And they have put up my job to give to someone else, Mm. which is for the best. I won't say what that job was, but it was very bad for my mental health and caused a great deal of stress. Sure. So, Mm. and luckily, I just got offered a new job that I can't start for three months. Mm. Yeah. So I can stay on the disability and get my head right. So 
That's good. Huzzah. And I won't talk about that one either no. because mm-hmm. oh, that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> All right. So, um, so obviously this guy who, who thought bisexuality was a phase mm-hmm. – did you talk to him about being poly or was that an aspect at all? As soon or is as that mostly in I therapy? hadn't talked to him about that. I've talked okay. to my therapist about that. Mm-hmm, I've mm-hmm. talked to the new psychiatrist about that. Okay. Um, the new psychiatrist is also now being seen by one of my sister's partners and by my wife. <laughs> oh, okay. <Interesting>. Because we <laughs> And do... they are very poly friendly, right? Yes, you said. Okay, incredibly cool. so. I, my sister went with and uh, we've had conversations since then. Like, isn't her office pretty? <laughs> <laughs> um, and... You know, there had been concerns. I know Lindsay and I chatted about this previously. Is there any kind of conflict of interest? And of course, it's With sharing. Yeah. And it's not because we're not, the person is not passing information. It's like, I'm focusing on what you're saying and nothing else. And she's incredibly professional and great at that. Um, my sister and my wife share the same therapist. I share that therapist also. As, yes, as does Katie. <laughs> nice. Because refer, referrals for the good ones invaluable mm-hmm. absolutely no it was a conversation where your sister was talking about how much she adored her therapist and i was like i don't feel that way about my therapist i kind of hate my therapist and i kind of feel like i'm on a learning curve i'm the learning curve for mm-hmm. her for all things queer and poly hi mm-hmm. can you tell me the name of the person is that okay <laughs> with you She's like, oh yeah of course mm-hmm. she's amazing you're gonna yeah. love her um and, and that's true. an incredible thing I and mean, if you are someone in a queer poly community and you do have needs even if it's not mental health needs if it's just a therapist because you just need to talk to someone periodically it's okay to ask for referrals from friends and partners mm-hmm. and family because there are some incredible people out there and there are some terrible people out there, as right. with any career, yeah. of course. I think that's also true for primary care physicians. 100%. I have actively suggested uh, a primary care physician who, she fired me as a patient, but it's because uh, she felt it was getting in the way of our friendship and we were closer friends and she didn't want to be worrying about that. A very oh, reasonable way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, she still sees my kids mm-hmm. and she also sees some other people in mm-hmm. my constellation. And Yeah. No, I, I adore my primary care physician. I'm happy to refer her. And also um, with people in the queer community, I'm always telling them about... Um, an LGBTQ clinic through Frederick Hospital found by Andy Doc- Dr. Andy Petrel, who I used to work with. And they're just absolutely fantastic. And I know half the people there. I tried to get a job there at one point, and they just, just didn't work out that time. But <laughs> it's wonderful because there are fantastic resources out there. And the hardest part usually is just getting past the fear of asking for help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah. And not just like, oh, I'm depressed. I need help. I need a person that can help. Who can you tell me about? Who's worked for you? Right, and figuring out who to ask. Mm-hmm, exactly. Um, which is, again, part of the reason why I am militantly open, I guess I should call it. <laughs> uh, but, militantly open. I like that phrase. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, since I'm the least militant person on the planet. I don't even look good in camo. <laughs> I often wonder if um, like people in the same polycule or poly community mm-hmm. sharing a therapist is actually a good thing for that therapist. Mm-hmm. Maybe it would help. Uh, I know that yeah, obviously they're not like sharing information, but I wonder if just mentally for them mm-hmm. to get different sides of the mm-hmm. same story, because how often does a therapist get that opportunity? Like mm-hmm. almost, almost never unless they're a relationship counselor yeah. that's seeing both people in a couple. Yeah. Um, 
that's that, that's really interesting. I, I kind of would like to talk to a therapist one day. I should I should ask a, a poly therapist or a person who's <laughs> yeah. uh, poly friendly if they'd like to come on the show because that would be really cool. Yeah, I, I, I feel like it would be totally fine to invite the therapist who many of us share. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I'd want to do the interview. Oh, fair, <laughs> fair, fair. But you know that's all right. We, mm-hmm. We've had some. Yeah times when I haven't been able to be here. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely feel like the psychiatrist having multiple parts of this giant poly constellation I'm part of helps contextualize everything and mm-hmm. helps teach her more about the community, For which sure. is valuable and makes her more valuable asset to all of us as well. Well, and I, I would say at least once a month, if not sometimes it feels weekly, I will get a question on Facebook or it'll be a, a post up in our uh, Facebook group in, in the Milwaukee Poly community of are there poly-friendly therapists? It happens all the time. Mm-hmm. And the same couple names get thrown around, and those people get, like, all of the community. And oftentimes they are overwhelmed because mm-hmm. – and I, I just want to go to, like, all of the therapists and walk and be like, learn about polyamory, read these five books, and help us because mm-hmm. they're everyone else is booked. <laughs> <laughs> And that's not just a local problem. I, I yeah. have heard that complaint from people in other communities where it's been very difficult to try to find a therapist who's comfortable mm-hmm. dealing with people who are not sort of traditional straight people. Mm-hmm. There's actually a book for therapists called Love in Abundance that is specifically how to be a better poly-friendly therapist. Oh, that's, that's very cool. Yeah, definitely one of the advantages of being on uh, disability since April. I can fit whatever appointment time she needs i'm so easy to book mm, right now nice, yeah. like oh you want 9 a.m sure 1 p.m yeah 6 p.m whatever i'm easy <laughs> nice i think we talked about the fact that you're easy earlier oh maybe that's <laughs> that was yesterday mm, that was yesterday <laughs> when i was drinking delicious things <laughs> uh, yes so i don't know if you want to go into it and we can cut this out if you don't mm. um like your hobbies re- revolve around like theater and and, Mm -hmm. uh, comedy and stuff like that and Mm -hmm. like having a huge personality and I find it interesting when I find out because I'm not in that world I'm in the Mm -hmm. performer community but when I find out how many really funny like um, big personality people suffer from depression Mm -hmm. do you think there's a uh, because it it happens more often than not there are more comedians I know who Mm -hmm. identify as depressed than Mm -hmm. not and why Williams Robin Williams. I mean, oh my! Come on. So many people. Yeah, actually, so many big name celebrities that mm-hmm. are really, really mm-hmm. struggling. Do you think there's a reason? I absolutely do, um, and it's also important for us to note the dif- the difference between being depressed and suffering from depression. Sure. Anyone can be depressed. They can be upset, but depression is where it will not leave you. It's a clinical diagnosis where it's part of your everyday life. I've definitely had times before I was where I would just have like a depressed day. Sure. And it sucks. It's terrible. But that's normal for like everyone. Exactly. Like people yeah. And it's just yeah. an important thing because sure. um, when I came out as bisexual to 200 people, I had 199 positive responses. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I had a former teacher say, I'd always hoped you were strokeable. Whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What? It's all connected. I promise you. And I have to remember how we started. <laughs> um, and I kind of brushed it off as a joke and ran away from it for obvious reasons. An understandable response. Um, And I reached out to this person this last year and said, uh, just like sent an email saying, here's how this affected me. I suffer from depression and this has definitely triggered it and made it worse. And I miss how we used to be. And the person emailed me back and said, well, you're the one who brought up sex and can't you take a joke? 
and I get depressed too sometimes. Mm. Okay. This person is out of my life one hundred. Oh, huge asshole! I remember to back away from the mic on that. <laughs> um, but it was Imagine like, how much well, louder I get depressed been. sometimes too. I'm like, you have no idea what I'm talking about because you don't have the ability to know what other people are saying. You're too. Your head is so far up your own ass. So, so there was a relation in there, I swear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, 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 mm-hmm. that totally makes sense. Uh, what was the question again? Because I went completely oh, off about track. Depression and comedy and how there to relate. Ah, right. um, again, because I, I kind of hid it for years. And I used to be shy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no one believes me. No, I was incredibly shy. And then I got involved in theater just because I went to an art school and there weren't enough guys. Mm-hmm. And... I was like, okay, this is fun. And it's like exploring a different aspect of my personality. And then I was a tour guide for three years and became very uh, up and crazy and worked at public television for a while, which surprisingly needed a lot of it. And I think more than anything, when the depression is there, it's needing to push so far in the other direction to be able to relate to people at all. Because if I'm in a major depressive episode and I need to go hang out with people, I don't want them to all know everything about me. I don't want to just kind of slump in a corner. And so I go in the opposite direction. It's compensation, pure and simple. Sure. I think that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking back about um, other people who I have known who either have been comedy performers or people who I know have had a lot of the kinds of stresses that often end up producing mental illness mm-hmm. um, and not just being depressed, but depression. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, probably 10 years ago finding out that a guy who I had known in elementary school who lost both of his parents in elementary school in a maybe car accident, some sort mm-hmm. of very unexpected, sudden, dramatic mm-hmm. loss of his family, um, had then become a comedian. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. mm-hmm, that sounds like... Of all, I mean, really, all things considered, a very healthy way of dealing oh, with 100%. that kind of thing. I mean, yeah. uh, I have a friend who loves nothing more than telling dead dad jokes. Her father passed when she was nineteen, and that's how she deals with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if you make a dead dad joke around her, she will hurt you, <laughs> right. and understandably so. Right. But she has claimed that as her type of humor. Yeah, I mean that's legit, and mm-hmm. that way, nobody can hurt you with it. Mm-hmm. Again, part of why I enjoy being so open because good luck hurting me at this point. Like, oh, I found out this about you. Yeah, I blogged about that. What are you talking about? <laughs> right. I think that's actually a really powerful thing about being out in mm-hmm. whatever kind of context mm-hmm. out means, whether it's about mental illness, about being mm-hmm. poly, about being queer, that when you are the person sharing the information, mm-hmm. it makes it a lot harder for other people to weaponize it. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's funny because blogging is a huge thing for me and how I deal with it. I have not, however, blogged about being poly because there's some people I'm out on that particular aspect too and not to everyone. Um, I haven't talked to my parents just because I don't particularly feel like it and my spouse's family already have the problem of her younger brother freaking out because I'm an open bisexual and him thinking it means I'm doing terrible things. Hmm. Only if you're lucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> We have many differences of religion and politics between that person and myself. I'm not going to spout my own because we, I'm sure you can have listeners of all different shapes and sizes, but we strongly disagree, and he has taken that personally at this point, mm-hmm. which is what it is. But you know, talking about my mental health and bisexuality and all of those things has been incredibly cathartic 
And so I've been doing that for a few months, actually. I'm a little behind. I don't think I blogged in a week and a half. Oh, my God. I'm a bad person. But it's it's therapy. Bad and wrong. Bad and wrong. Do you blog um, weekly? Uh, I try to. I was usually two or three a week for a while. Would Pl- you like to plug your blog? Sure. It's oh. called By the By. <laughs> you might want to spell that out. Yes. It's B-Y-T-H-E-B-I dot me. Because okay. dot com and dot org were both taken. That's fair. I like dot me. I think that, yeah. fit, that yeah. fits you. It does fit me. Um, and when I started, I also was taking the posts I'd initially put up back in October about my own mental health issues that I was in. And I kind of packaged them and said, this is where I was at this point in my life. And here's where I was at this point in my life and moving forward. Because I really need to write about traveling <laughs> while dealing with mental health issues because I just spent a week out of the state. And actually, I'm flying out of state tomorrow, too. So we'll see how that goes because that's a solo trip for a funeral. Mm. I'll have plenty to write about. That seems likely. Mm-hmm. I was traveling with uh, dealing with all this. Difficult. Um, we were going to Michigan, so it meant we were taking the SS Badger across, which is delightful. Mm. But it's also a ton of people. So drop the a huge whole... boat yeah, that goes it, across Lake it, Michigan. It takes. Yes. Um, I've like, heard some horror stories about that uh, I... boat having some. A lot of motion sickness and people throwing up. That <laughs> never bothers me. It was a very oh, smooth good. passage. But oh, this thing can hold like 40 semi-trucks. It's yeah. ridiculously huge. But if you give them 40 bucks, you get a cabin. So we did that. So we had a place we could lay down, be away nice. from people, listen to podcasts or music. Nice. Um, and then when we were there, it was not like a crazy vacation. It was doing things in small towns. But when the anxiety and stuff were getting really bad in the middle of the day, I went back to our room took a nap and did more things when I came back and my spouse would go and do things on her own and that was fine it was knowing what we needed to do for each other and it worked out really well that's awesome yeah so on that topic like how can a partner be more supportive of somebody who has mental health issues I, it really comes down to communication and I don't just mean them listening to me it's them telling what they need because when your partner is suffering from mental health issues they might not be able to see all of your needs in the same way, any of your struggles, because it does get very, uh, for lack of a better term, self-centered. And I I don't mean that in a negative way, but you have to concentrate on yourself for your own Mm well-being. So it is possible to miss out on things. But um, again, our open communication has been huge with my spouse and my other partners has worked really very well. Also, like one of them was like, I've been having a bad mental health time. I said, me too. You want to like watch a scary movie and make fun of it while we cuddle? Yes, I do. That sounds perfect. Mm-hmm. But um, with my spouse, sometimes like, hey, I'm just kind of feeling a little lost. Can you just hug me for like a full minute? Great. Because, you know, no one can read minds. I'm relatively astute, but there are limits. Mm-hmm. So it's not being afraid to tell someone with a mental health problem what you need as well. Because a lot of people walk on eggshells. And that's not doing anyone any good. Right. We need to just be open doesn't mean saying hey you're a jerk look at me no of course not it's these are my needs how can we make them work with your needs because mm-hmm. everything comes back to communication i grew up all around um, a bunch of people with mental health uh, disorders some sev- more severe than um than others uh, schizophrenia and bipolar disorder and uh, borderline personality disorder there were a lot in there and um and growing up I learned to walk on eggshells and make sure to take care of the people around me. And then when that, when that played into having relationships, I feel like sometimes it made me super guarded Mm -hmm. to even start a relationship because it was like, well, what if 
they're like my older sister or what if they're like my parents and you know um and I would end up walking on eggshells in different relationships and that was just like a bad mm-hmm. place to be a bad way to be always thinking the worst of situations and what's going to happen and I have a partner with who is suffering from depression and who has uh, bipolar disorder and they are medicated and they are the medication is working right mm-hmm. so they manage it and they manage it yes exactly system. right um and that was a very new experience mm-hmm. because when they told me that even before we started dating I was like oh no like this is gonna jumpstart that cycle of what my entire life growing up and childhood was like living with someone with bipolar disorder and just having like days where it was amazing and fun and wonderful mm-hmm. and days that it, we were calling the cops you know because of incidents and and I did not want that for my life so Fair. you know right um so it took me a while to to break those walls down and be like oh you can have mental health issues and manage them mm-hmm. There were so many people in my life that had no idea how to manage them. And maybe it takes a long time to figure that out. Obviously, like you were saying, you experiment with so many different kinds mm-hmm. of medications to figure out what one works. And and some people never get there. Mm-hmm. And it's really difficult. Mm-hmm. But some people do. So <laughs> there is hope. I think that makes a lot of sense. I'm thinking about um, I have a child who has uh, some anxiety challenges and you know, is seeing a therapist for those things, and it seems to be being managed pretty effectively. Um, but it's uh, like there's definitely how you manage, you know, people and crowds and large mm-hmm. events and family obligations and all of mm-hmm. those things. It you it's certainly something you can learn to help somebody manage and help mm-hmm. them learn to manage themselves. Mm-hmm. But it's not always. It's, it's not just like, oh, yeah, sure, no problem. Mm-hmm. No big. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and actually, Lindsay had said something that I thought was really important because you were talking about walking on eggshells and how important that can be f- learning from how you reacted and learning what the best reaction for you is. Because, again, if someone is not through therapy and self-care techniques and medication the right place, how you can react to them. But you were learning that that was not a good mental health thing for you right. is what it sounds like. Yes. Um, yeah, and controlling is is very difficult. I, I actually know one foolproof way to deal with my anxiety, and I'm avoiding it because it's whiskey. And while I'm changing mm. medications, that's a terrible idea. I don't drink heavily, but like an ounce of whiskey makes it go away. I'm not doing that right now for very good reasons. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I, I've always been cautious with drinking as I have an uncle that drank himself to death. So I don't drink on weeknights yeah. as a rule. Self-medication is a high-risk kind of way exactly. of Exactly. And so being we'll aware that it, it actually does work for me, but I want something else to work. And then if everything is okay with those medications, if I am able to have a social drink on a Saturday night or something, then great. And if not, I won't do it. No big right. deal. Um, and also when we were talking about the different levels of mental health that you had touched on, that's something that's incredibly valuable and was one of the hardest things about my journey. Because again, my mother severe mental health issues. And so my thinking for all those years is, well, I'm not as bad as her, so it must not be worth dealing with. Mm, totally. Or then when I started going to partial hospitalization for the first time, well, I'm not someone here who's wanted to kill themselves, so it must not be real. It's not that bad. If, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And it's how yeah. dangerous comparisons can be. Yeah. Because whatever you're dealing with, 
it doesn't matter if it's compared to someone else. Like someone with someone's mild depression might be someone else's borderline suicidal. It's knowing how to deal with you and realizing that your problems are your own and it's okay to have them. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be freaked out. It's okay to do any of those things. And no one else's issues reflect on yours. We're all on our own journey and it's just being able to focus on what you personally are going through. Um, during partial hospitalization, we would have a group every day and we'd talk through things. And some of the people that gave me the greatest realizations were people going through completely different issues than myself. Uh, there was a young woman, actually, an intensive outpatient who had, obviously I will tell nothing about her, she had an right. eating disorder. Right. A woman with an eating disorder. This is not very identifiable. Nope. And they would be talking about like how she was trying to make meal plans and eat a certain number of calories a day and whatnot and how they're their parent would try to make them eat certain things. And I found myself thinking, well, why don't you just eat that? And then it was just like a lightning bolt to the brain. This is how other people see me because mm. they have not particularly experienced it. They're not realizing that it is real. And that was a huge moment for me. Yeah. Um, realizing, oh, this is why people don't understand. And it made me so much more empathetic towards her and realizing, no, I don't understand what you're going through, but it doesn't mean I can't talk to you about it and right. realize that we can still help each yeah. other mm -hmm. which is a wonderful realization to have that i was being an idiot and that is really hard of uh, being a partner to someone who has mental health issues is if you don't have an if you don't have those mental health issues and if you don't have anything even slightly remotely related to those issues it can be really hard to try to put yourself in those shoes mm -hmm. especially when things are just like almost exactly backwards of what the way you would think about something you know mm -hmm. and and i've definitely had to be like uh, in my mind just be like but why on earth are you thinking this way like why is your mind going there it's not logical it's not you know and there's it's just not and <laughs> that there's is just correct not uh mm -hmm. and there's not an easy way to imagine something that's not logical, right? Mm -hmm. uh, even panic attacks. My partner used to have panic attacks. Like almost every time they would go to like some big Marvel movie, mm. they would have a panic attack. And I, and not an anxiety attack, a panic attack. Yeah. Right. And, um, and it took mm. me a long time to understand what, one, what that even meant. Mm -hmm. And two, I was like, but you're not dying and nothing mm -hmm. is making you, mm -hmm. you know, like there are no knives, right? There's mm. no gunshots. There's what, what can possibly make you think you're dying? And they were mm -hmm. like, well, I feel like I'm dying. I mm -hmm. feel like my entire like internal organ structure is shutting down. Mm -hmm. I'm dying. I feel like I'm dying. And so mm -hmm. um, it it was really, really difficult to understand that as someone who's never experienced yeah. it. But you can you kind of just have to let go of reality a little bit and be like, well, this is what they're thinking. Believe them mm -hmm. and uh, and go from there and just mm -hmm. communicate, I guess. Yeah. For me, for the longest time, grocery stores. Interesting. Well, and so much of it was after a pretty nasty divorce we had always gone grocery shopping together every time. So it had probably been, in the last decade prior, I'd probably been to a grocery store without my former spouse 10 times. Wow. So I couldn't do it. So I ended up having to start by going to grocery stores we'd never been to together and just like relearning things. It's a bizarre thing to have to do, but it's there. Yeah, I mean, as we've been saying, logic does not really play a role no here. No logic so, whatsoever. You know. I gave up on logic years ago. <laughs> Yeah, if that's what's not going to work, then mm -hmm. the yeah. workaround has to be something yeah. different because you do still mm -hmm. have to get groceries. Yes, yeah. so. right. absolutely. Although uh, it's getting easier now. You could have them delivered. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I'm fine now. Yeah. I, I can do it. Um, 
And one thing that I think is important, so I was talking about partial hospitalization versus hospitalization, is just knowing what the options are. I had never heard of partial hospitalization in my life. Um, when it was really bad, when I couldn't get out of bed, when I couldn't go to work, um, my work has an employee assistance program where you can call and talk to people on the phone and they can refer you to therapists. And I called and I was like, this is bad enough. I don't know if I should be in somewhere. And the idiot I was talking to on the phone said, okay, well, um, I think there's an inpatient facility in Arizona that we could take you to for a few weeks. Um, Excuse me? 2,000 miles away? Yeah. yeah. Inpatient programs, depending on the issue, are really few and far between. They really Um, are. I have a couple of acquaintances who have um, young adult Mm -hmm. older teenager children um, who have dealt with very severe Mm -hmm. anxiety and needed hospitalization. Mm -hmm. And we're lucky enough that there's a hospitalization program in Oconomowoc Mm -hmm. that deals with um, really serious anxiety in young people. But there are so few that three quarters of the young people who were in treatment programs Mm -hmm. with my two friends' children um, were not from Wisconsin. Oh, wow. You know, these kids were mm-hmm. upon release then mm-hmm. being, you know, yeah. go find a therapist in California, mm-hmm. go find a therapist in New York yeah. or wherever. Well, because it was interesting because after I was told that and went, <laughs> no, they said, oh, well, you know, I guess there's this one treatment place in Milwaukee. Oh, there's two. Do you want me to forward <laughs> you to one of them? Uh, yes. <laughs> and I talked to the first one and they were talking about stuff and they talked about hospitalization. Partial hospitalization had still never been mentioned at this point. They just like ask me questions like, all right, I'm going to talk to a doctor and call you back. I'm like, yeah, we could probably treat you. Um, we can get you in in two weeks. I said, no, thank you. And I called the other place. Mm-hmm. And they said, come in. We'll do an in-person thing. Do it in the morning because that's when we're more likely to have room in a program to get you in right away if you need it. Did in the morning um, and talked to um, a, a woman, a therapist or psychiatrist. I don't remember exactly. Very kind Unitarian woman. Unitarian comes back into it again. And we were talking, and she started actually explaining partial hospitalization for the first time in my life. I didn't know that it was a thing. She's like, all right, it's six days a week. You'll be in from 9 o'clock until 3.30. You'll have lunch. You will be able to go home at night because you are not currently a risk to yourself. But this way you can get the treatment you need. We can work with your uh, employer to get you on disability during that time. We're going to call your insurance company. And And just realizing that this was a possibility took me from maybe a 10 out of 10 on the freak out depression scale to a 9 out of 10. And at that point, oh, one yeah. point different is huge. Absolutely. The difference between 10 out of 10 and 9 out of mm-hmm. 10 is probably yeah. much bigger than the difference between 1 out of 10 and 2 out of 10. Yes. So it's just realizing that there are possibilities. Sometimes the first person you talk to might not know everything, like the person at my EAP. And, you know, just keep looking. There are many more options out there than people realize. And one for thing, different levels of care. One thing people should know about um, employee assistant plans is they are, if you're in an organization that's large enough that they probably have something like this, they're completely confidential. 100%. It does not go at all to, you know, your supervisors or your direct people. Or HR or anything. Yeah, it's, it, so it, don't feel afraid to take advantage mm-hmm. of those programs if they are available to mm-hmm. you. And mental health issues are covered again amongst, uh, under the uh, Americans with Disabilities Act. Mm-hmm. Um, which <laughs> useful for someone who has not worked in many months. 
but it, it, yeah, it is out there. Um, and actually on my blog, by the by dot me, uh, I have an entire page of resources of emergency lines, suicide help hotlines, both local and national Spanish language ones, ones for people that are hard of hearing. So, uh, nice. I, they're, they're hard, they're easy to find everywhere, but the more places we can put them, the better. Yeah, absolutely. And in, for crisis situations, also, uh, a lot of EAPs have a situation where, you know, the first six visits to a therapist are free. 100% free. Um, things like that. So they can be mm -hmm. a very cost-effective way to at least point you in the right direction. Mm -hmm. You know, they may not be the complete solution, mm -hmm. but they can, they're can. they a great place to start. Yeah, my wonderful therapist started with the free EAP visits, and she's wonderful. So is there anything... Um, any advice that you would like to give to either people who have mental health issues or their partners? Mm -hmm. um, for the people with mental health issues, I don't necessarily recommend taking my path of telling everyone anywhere you meet. <laughs> but find the people you can trust, whether it's a partner, a parent, a friend, a coworker. It doesn't matter. Finding someone you can talk to that you trust that's not going to judge you, but that will be open-minded enough to listen to you and believe you. And if you are someone who's a partner to someone with mental health issues, just talk to them, ask. And it's also, we don't always know what we need, whether we have mental health issues or not. That's a huge thing with my spouse and myself, is she's gotten to this wonderful point where she'll talk to me like, something doesn't feel right in me. I don't know what it is yet, but I'm going to figure it out in about 10 minutes. If we can talk, that would be great. But, and like I've talked to another friend of mine yesterday who has incredibly severe depression issues. Um... And I reminded her, you know, anytime you need to, you can reach out to me, even if it's just to say, hey, I feel really lousy and I don't know what to do about it. And I just needed someone to know that I feel that way. Because sometimes that all it is, having someone else know what you're going through can make all the difference in the world. Um, I talked to some people in the programs and something as simple as that kept someone from trying to kill themselves. Yeah. It is a powerful, powerful statement of just that someone cares about you. So just care. Be open. Well, thank you so much for coming and opening up to us because this was definitely a topic we haven't even, I don't think even really broached on with other people at all. So Yeah, only peripherally, I think. Yeah. 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 So well, thank you. Oh, it's been my pleasure. And that is it from us at Polyamory Uncensored. We have been Lindsay Miller. And Katie Williams. We'd like to thank podcast husband Rob for being our sound engineer. And thank you, Lindsay, for editing this podcast so that we sound smart. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Polyamory Uncensored. Contact us at polyamoryuncensored at gmail.com if you have a listener question or a comment. And if you'd like to support us at all, you can send us a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash polyamoryuncensored and simply click on the support this podcast button. If you'd like to support the podcast with a one-time contribution, we've set up a PayPal link to make it super easy. Thank you for your support in any amount at paypal.me slash polyamoryuncensored. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and remember, we love you. Bye. Bye.